Section 8 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dick Bourgeois Doyle. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11, Section 8. Excerpts from Dante's Divine Comedy, Hell, by Dante. Canto One, The Entrance on the Journey Through the Eternal World Dante, astray in a wood, reaches the foot of a hill, which he begins to ascend. He is hindered by three beasts. He turns back and is met by Virgil, who proposes to guide him into the eternal world. Midway upon the road of our life, I found myself within a dark wood, for the right way had been missed. Ah, how hard a thing it is to tell what this wild and rough and dense wood was, which in thought renews the fear. So bitter is it that death is little more. But in order to treat of the good that I found, I will tell of the other things that I saw there. I cannot well recount how I entered it, so full was I of slumber at that point, where I abandoned the true way. But after I had arrived at the foot of the hill, where that valley ended, which had pierced my heart with fear, I looked on high and saw its shoulders clothed already with the rays of the planet that leads men aright along every path. Then was the fear a little quieted, which in the lake of my heart had lasted through the night that I passed so piteously. And even as one who, with spent breath, issued out of the sea upon the shore, turns to the perilous water and gazes, so did my soul which still was flying, turned back to look again upon the pass, which never had a living person left. After I had rested a little, my weary body, I took my way again along the desert slope, so that the firm foot was always the lower, and lo, almost at the beginning of the steep, a she-leopard, light and very nimble, which was covered with a spotted coat. She did not move from before my face, nay, rather hindered so my road, that to return I oftentimes had turned. The time was at the beginning of the morning, and the sun was mounting upward with those stars that were with him, when love divine first set in motion those beautiful things, so that the hour of the time and the sweet season were occasion of good hope to me concerning that wild beast with the dappled skin. But not so that the sight which appeared to me of a lion did not give me fear, he seemed to be coming against me, with head high and with ravening hunger, so that it seemed that the air was affrighted at him. And a she-wolf, who with all craving seemed laden in her meagerness, and already had made folk to live forlorn. She caused me so much heaviness with the fear that came from sight of her that I lost hope of the height. And such as he is who gains willingly, and the time arrives that makes him lose, who in all his thoughts weeps and is sad. Such made me the beast without repose, that coming on against me, little by little, was pushing me back thither, where the sun is silent. While I was falling back to the low place, before mine eyes appeared one who through long silence seemed faint-voiced, when I saw him in the great desert. Have pity on me, I cried to him. Whatso thou art, or shade, or real man. He answered me, not man, man once I was, 
and my parents were Lombards and Mantuans by country both. I was born sub Julio, though late, and I live at Rome under the good Augustus, in the time of the false and lying gods. Poet was I, and sang of that just son of Anchises, who came from Troy after proud Ilion had been burned. But thou, why returnest thou to so great annoy? Why dost thou not ascend the delectable mountain, which is the source and cause of every joy? Art thou then that Virgil and that fount which poureth forth so large a stream of speech? replied I to him with bashful front. O honour and light of the other poets, may the long study avail me, and the great love which have made me search thy volume. Thou art my master and my author. Thou alone art he from whom I took the fair style that has done me honour. Behold the beast because of which I turned. Help me against her, famous sage, for she makes my veins and pulses tremble. Thee it behooves to hold another course, he replied, when he saw me weeping. If thou wishest to escape from this savage place, for this beast, because of which thou criest out, lest not any one pass along her way, but so hinders him that she kills him, and she has a nature so malign and evil that she never sates her greedy will, and after food is hungrier than before. Many are the animals with which she wives, and there shall be more yet, till the hound shall come that will make her die of grief. He shall hunt her through every town, till he shall have set her back in hell, there whence envy first sent her forth. Wherefore I think and deem it for thy best, that thou follow me, and I will be thy guide, and will lead thee hence through the eternal place, where thou shalt hear the despairing shrieks shalt see the ancient spirits woeful, who each proclaim the second death. And then thou shalt see those who are contented in the fire, because they hope to come, whenever it may be, to the blessed folk, to whom, if thou wilt, thereafter ascend, there shall be a soul more worthy than I for that. With her I will leave thee at my departure, for the emperor, who reigneth there above, because I was rebellious to his law, wills not that into his city any one should come through me. In all parts he governs, and there he reigns. There is his city and his lofty seat. O oh, happy he whom thereto he elects! And I to him, poet, I beseech thee, that my God, whom thou didst not know, in order that I may escape this ill and worse, and that thou lead me thither, where thou now hast said, so that I may see the gate of St. Peter, and those whom thou makest so afflicted. Then he moved on, and I behind him kept. Canto two, The entrance on the journey through the eternal world continued. Dante, doubtful of his own powers, is discouraged. Virgil cheers him by telling him that he has been sent to his aid by a blessed spirit from heaven. Dante casts off fear, and the poets proceed. The day was going, and the dusky air was taking the living things that are on earth from their fatigues, and I alone was preparing to sustain the war alike on the road, and of the woe which the mind that errs not shall retrace. O muses, O lofty genius, now assist me. O mind that didst inscribe that which I saw. Here shall thy nobility appear. I began. 
Poet that guidest me, consider my virtue. If it be sufficient, heir to the deep pass, thou trustest me. Thou sayest that the parent of Silvius, while still corruptible, went to the immortal world, and was there in the body. Wherefore, if the adversary of every ill was then courteous, thinking on the high effect that should proceed from him, and on the who and the what, it seemeth not unmeet to a man of understanding. For in the imperial heaven he had been chosen for father of revered Rome and of her empire, both which, to say truth indeed, were ordained for the holy place where the successor of the greater Peter has his seat. Through this going, whereof thou givest him vaunt, he learned things which were the cause of his victory and of the papal mantle. Afterward, the chosen vessel went thither to bring thence comfort to that faith, which is the beginning of the way of salvation. But I, why go I thither? Or who concedes it? I am not Aeneas, I am not Paul. Me worthy of this? Neither I nor others think. Wherefore, if I give myself up to go, I fear lest that the going may be mad. Thou art wise, thou understandest better than I speak. And as is he who unwills what he willed, and because of new thoughts changes his design, so that he quite withdraws from beginning, such I became on that dark hillside. Wherefore, in my thought, I abandoned the enterprise which had been so hasty in its beginning. If I have rightly understood thy speech, replied that shade of the magnanimous one, thy soul is hurt by cowardice, which oftentimes encumbers a man, so that it turns him back from honorable enterprise, as false-seeing doth a beast, when it is startled. In order that thou loose thee from this fear, I will tell thee wherefore I have come, and what I heard the first moment that I grieved for thee. I was among those who are suspended, and a lady called me so blessed and beautiful that I besought her to command. Her eyes were more lucent than the star, and she began to speak to me sweet and low with angelic voice in her own tongue. O courteous Mantuan soul, of whom the fame yet lasts in the world, and shall last so long as the world endures, a friend of mine, and not of fortune, is upon the desert hillside, so hindered on his road that he is turned for fear, and I am afraid through that which I have heard of him in heaven, lest he already be so astray that I may have risen late to his succor. Now do thou move, and with thy speech ornate, and with whatever is needful for his deliverance, assist him, so that I may be consoled for him. I am Beatrice, who make thee go. I come from a place whither I desire to return. Love moved me, and makes me speak. When I shall be before our Lord, I will commend thee often to him. Then she was silent, and thereupon I began. O lady of virtue, thou alone, through whom the human race surpasses all contained within that heaven, which has the smallest circles so pleasing unto me, is that I command, and that to obey it, were it already done, were slow to me. 
thou hast no need further to open unto me thy will but tell me the cause why thou guardest not thyself from descending down here into this centre from the ample place whither thou burnest to return since thou wishest to know so inwardly i will tell thee briefly she replied to me wherefore i am not afraid to come here within one ought to be afraid of those things only that have power to do another harm of other things not for they are not fearful i am made by god thanks be to him such that your misery touches me not nor does the flame of this burning assail me a gentle lady is in heaven who hath pity for this hindrance whereto i send thee so that stern judgment there above she breaks she summoned lucia in her request and said thy faithful one now hath need of thee and unto thee i commend him lucia the foe of every cruel one rose and came to the place where i was seated with the ancient rachel she said beatrice true praise of god why dost thou not succour him who so loved thee that for thee he came forth from the vulgar throng dost thou not hear the pity of his plaint dost thou not see the death that combats him beside the stream whereof the sea hath no vaunt in the world never were persons swift to seek their good and to fly their harm as i after these words were uttered came here below from my blessed seat putting my trust in thy upright speech which honours thee and them who have heard it after she had said this to me weeping she turned her lucent eyes whereby she made me more speedy in coming and it came to thee as she willed thee have i delivered from that wild beast that took from thee the short ascent of the beautiful mountain what is it then why why dost thou hold back why dost thou harbour such cowardice in thy heart why hast thou not daring and boldness since three blessed ladies care for thee in the court of heaven and my speech pledges thee such good as flowerets bend and closed by the chill of night after the sun shines on them straighten themselves all open on their stem so my weak virtue became and such good daring hastened to my heart that i began like one enfranchised o compassionate she who succoured and thou courteous who did speedily obey the true words that she addressed to thee thou by thy words hast so disposed my heart with desire of going that i have returned unto my first intent go on now for one sole will is in us both thou leader thou lord and thou master thus i said to him and when he had moved on i entered along the deep and savage road canto v the punishment of carnal sinners the second circle that of carnal sinners minus shades renowned of old francesca da rimini thus i descended from the first circle down into the second which girdles less space and so much more woe that it goads to wailing there abides minos horribly and snarls he examines the sins at the entrance he judges and he sends accordingly as he entwines himself i mean that when the miscreant spirit comes there before him it confesses itself wholly and that discerner of sins seizes what place of hell is for it 
he girdles himself with his tail so many times as the degrees he wills it should be sent down. Always before him stand many of them. They go in turn, each to the judgment. They speak and hear, and then are whirled below. O thou that comest to the woeful inn, said Minos to me, when he saw me, leaving the act of so great an office, beware how thou enterest, and to whom thou entrustest thyself. Let not the amplitude of the entrance deceive thee, and my leader to him. Why then dost thou cry out, hinder not his fated going? Thus is it willed, there where is power, to do that which is willed, and ask thou no more. Now the woeful notes begin to make themselves heard. Now am I come where much lamentation smites me. I had come into a place mute of all light, that bellows as the sea does in a tempest, if it be combated by opposing winds. The infernal hurricane that never rests carries along the spirits with its rapine, whirling and smiting it molests them. When they arrive before its rushing blast, here are shrieks and bewailing and lamenting. Here they blaspheme the power divine. I understood that to such torment are condemned the carnal sinners who subject reason unto lust. And as their wings bear along the starlings in the cold season in a troop large and full, so that blast the evil spirits hither, thither, down, up, it carries them. No hope ever comforts them, not of repose, but even of less pain. And as the cranes go singing their lays, making in air a long line of themselves, so saw I come, uttering wails, shades borne along by the aforesaid strife. Wherefore I said, Master, who are those folk whom the black air so castigates? The first of these, of whom thou wishest to have knowledge, said he to me then, was empress of many tongues, to the vice of luxury, was she so abandoned that lust she made illicit in her law, to take away the blame she had incurred. She is Semiramis, of whom it is read that she succeeded Ninus, and had been his spouse. She held the land which the Soldan rules. The other is she who, for love, slew herself and broke faith to the ashes of Sicaeus. Next is Cleopatra, the luxurious. See Helen, for whom so long a line of ill revolved, and see the great Achilles, who at the end fought with love. See Paris, Tristan, and more than a thousand shades he showed me with his finger, and named them whom love had parted from our life. After I heard my teacher name the dames of Eld and the Cavaliers, pity overcame me, and I was well-nigh bewildered. I began, poet, willingly would I speak with those two that go together, and seem to be so light upon the wind. And he to me, Thou shalt see, when they shall be nearer to us, and do thou then pray them by that love which leads them, and they will come. Soon as the wind sways them toward us, I lifted my voice. O weary souls, come speak to us, if one forbid it not. As doves, called by desire, with wings open and steady, fly through the air to their sweet nest, borne by their will, these issued from the troop, where Dido is, coming to us through the malign air, so strong was the compassionate cry. 
O living creature, gracious and benign, that goest through the lurid air, visiting us who stain the world blood red. If the king of the universe were a friend, we would pray him for thy peace, since thou hast pity on our perverse ill. Of what it pleases thee to hear, and what to speak, we will hear, and we will speak to you, while the wind, as now, is hushed for us. The city where I was born sits upon the seashore, where the Po, with his followers, descends to have peace. Love, that on gentle heart quickly lays hold, seized him for the fair person that was taken from me, and the mode still hurts me. Love, which absolves no loved one from loving, seized me for the pleasing of him so strongly, as thou seest, it does not even now abandon me. Love brought us to one death. Cana waits him who quenched our life. These words were born to us from them. Soon as I had heard those injured souls, I bowed my face and held it down until the poet said to me, What are thou thinking? When I replied, I began, Alas, how many sweet thoughts, how great desire, led these unto the woeful pass. Then I turned me again to them, and I spoke, and began, Francesca, thy torments make me sad and piteous to weeping. But tell me, at the time of the sweet sighs, by what and how did love concede to you to know the dubious desires? And she to me, there is no greater woe than in misery to remember the happy time, and that thy teacher knows. But if to know the first root of our love thou hast so great a longing, I will do like one who weeps and tells. We were reading one day for delight of Lancelot, how love constrained him. We were alone and without any suspicion. Many times that reading made us lift our eyes and took the color from our faces, but only one point was that which overcame us. One read of the long-forged smile being kissed by such a lover. This one, who never from me shall be divided, kissed my mouth all trembling. Galahout was the book, and he who wrote it. That day we read in it no farther. While one spirit said this, the other was weeping, so that through pity I swooned as if I had been dying, and fell as a dead body falls. End of section 8